welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Well, welcome to those who are joining us online. And if you're here for the first time, I'm Pastor Ross Gilbert. And uh, I got a, a medical diagnosis I want to share with you guys a few weeks ago. I was diagnosed as having extra wisdom. That's right. I went, I went to my dentist, and he said, I have five wisdom teeth. So I thought I'd share that with you guys. Unfortunately, one of those wisdom teeth needed to come out because it was cracked. So that says I have cracked wisdom. The extra wisdom tooth is impacted, meaning it's going in sideways, so it's not that smart. So just because you have extra wisdom doesn't mean it's always good, but um, thought I'd warn you ahead of time. So fortunately, though, uh, we're here and we're going to share God's wisdom, and that's what we're excited about. So we're going to continue on our, our passage in 2 Corinthians. So let me read the passage uh, beginning in chapter 3, verse 1 for us this morning. Paul writes, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some, letters of commendation to you or from you? You are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by all men, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Let's pray. Father. We thank you that we do get to gather. We can gather publicly in this country, and we can study your word openly. And I pray this morning that we would would really get a sense of the great opportunity that is available to all of us, the opportunity to worship you and the opportunity to be together and, and what it is that you're trying to build, what it is that you're creating within us and your church. And so we're going to trust you, Jesus, to to speak through me. But as was prayed for earlier today, that, that, Father, you would take these words and they would impact our lives, that it wouldn't just be information, it wouldn't just be knowledge, but it would be something that we'd be able to apply and live out each and every day. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we're in the the heart of what we said is Paul's letter here in in 2 Corinthians. And and really what we said is this section that we're in is Paul laying out what does it mean to be a a minister of the new covenant. And we said last week that to be a minister of the new covenant doesn't mean you have to be a missionary like like Andrew or Renee. You don't have to be a pastor like Josh. You you don't have to have a special title. The reality is we are part of the the priesthood, the royal priesthood of of believers. And, And so we all get to be ministers of this new covenant. We all get to serve and to share what it means to be in Jesus. And, and he ended in chapter 2, where we looked at last time in this book, that he made a statement that he himself and, and Silas and Timothy and the other workers, they weren't trying to get rich off the gospel. He says, there are some who are. And we can look today. You can go online. You can you know, watch certain TV programs, and you get a sense that there are some people who see the gospel as an opportunity to get rich off of. And that's not the point. That wasn't the point of the Apostle Paul. And so as, as proof of that, he rhetorically asks them if he needs to offer up a letter of condemnation. 
or not condemnation, a letter of commendation. That's important. That's important. A little bit of difference here. Essentially, what he's offering up there is, is references or credentials. What, what qualifies him to be in that role? And so today, often when we think about credentials for someone that's in ministry, we often think about their education. Where do they go to school? And what kind of training did they receive? And, and are they equipped and qualified because of their training? When I, when I first started counseling, I was, I was 29 years old, and, and I had a, a, I've always had a bit of a baby face, but even more so back then. I was clean-shaven, I had the, the short hair, and, and I, I probably looked about five, six, seven years younger than I really was. And so when I'm meeting people now, they're coming with some significant issues. And many of the people I'm meeting with were significantly older. They had 10, 15, maybe even 20 years on me. And we would, we would meet, and they'd kind of share their problem with me, and I would listen to them and, and share a little bit of what, what we're going to do and, and how there's hope in Jesus. But often, at the end of the session, they would kind of look at me, and they'd ask a, a question to the effect of, so what are your qualifications? And I knew what they were asking. They're looking at me, and they're seeing this kid, and they're thinking, what does this kid have to offer me? What does this kid know? This, I mean, is he even chewing his own food now? I mean, he's so young looking. And so I kind of knew what they were getting at. And it was a legitimate question because, quite frankly, it's a, it's a pretty key role you're in when you're offering counsel to people who are struggling. And so I'd, I'd share with them that I had done some training, but ultimately that I know a guy named Jesus. And my faith is that Jesus is at work and he is bigger than the problem that they're facing. And that what I want to do is help them discover what that means to, to what it looks like to trust Jesus in the midst of that crisis. In essence, my, my calling or my credentials wasn't in my training. Not that there's anything wrong with the training. The training was valuable and helpful for me. But ultimately, my credentials was in the fact that I was called of God, that I was being equipped of God. And I don't, I don't get that question as much anymore. I don't know what that says about the baby face. But uh, every so often on the phone, I'll still get the question. And my answer is essentially the same, but I'm able to now, with the benefit of experience, I can alter it a little bit. And again, my answer is, well, I'm, I'm just a guy that knows Jesus and has seen Jesus now work in countless lives. And I have faith and trust that he wants to do something in you as well. And again, the, the emphasis gets away from me as the person and onto Jesus where it belongs. Please understand, that's not to say that the training is, is unnecessary, but the training itself doesn't qualify anybody. Well, now, now here I am as, as a pastor of this church, and I have, I have multiple university degrees, but none of them in ministry. Not one of them is from a Bible college or seminary, but the same principle holds true, that I'm here today because I and others around me believe that I've been called to this role. I've been called to this opportunity. And so that my credentials now, my, my letter of, of commendation isn't in my degrees or diploma, but essentially is in you guys here at New Life Fellowship, that you are my letter. And, and so really what I want, to, to, want us to do this morning is take some time and, and share a little bit about what is this letter that we're trying to write as a church? What is it that we're trying to create here as a fellowship here? And, and when we first started, the very first message was back, uh, back in the school, we, we went to the beginning of the early church. What did the early church look like at the start? 
And, and there was one verse, really, that kind of summarized it up really great. Right after Pentecost, it talked about what the early church began to do. And they began to gather. And they're gathering in Acts 2, verse 42. It said that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So there's really there's three things that that early church was all about that I think characterizes what church life is about even to this day some 2,000 years later. That they were teaching the new covenant. And that's what they were learning. And that's what they were sharing. And that's what they were growing in. That there was a fellowship. There was community happening. That's that breaking of bread. They were doing life together. And they were sharing life with one another. And then finally, they were worshiping and praying together. Those three things, that teaching, that fellowship, and that worship and prayer really characterized the early church. And so that's what we decided we wanted our church to be all about. And so the teaching of the new covenant is, is important. And, I, and I, I kind of believe that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, put that first because it's so critical. It's so important. We've said it many times here before that, that bad theology is a horrible taskmaster that it leads to all kinds of trouble. And that's essentially what Jesus was saying, right? In John chapter 8, he says, if you hold to my teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so his teachings, what Jesus was offering us, is so critical that for you and I to hold on to, because that's where we're going to discover our freedom. The corollary of that, however, is that if truth sets us free, what do lies do? They put us in bondage. They trap us. And that's where that bad theology then begins to do. It begins to bind us and trap us into all kinds of trouble. And so what we're doing each week is, is we're trying to share the new covenant, trying to reveal the goodness of this truth that we have in Jesus, that truth that will set us free. And so it's, it's not our goal to be motivational, meaning that it's not our goal each week just to give you a pep talk to get you excited, to get you through the week so you can come back here next Sunday and get another motivational talk. That's not our goal. Our, our goal is not to be edgy or political. I learned this pretty well in the last couple of years. My goal is not to shape the nation of Canada. It's not what it's about. The nation that I'm about, the, the kingdom that I'm about is my father's kingdom that is far bigger than any one nation this world can hold. And so for some, they, they were wondering, well, why don't you speak on what's going on in our political climate more? And it really wasn't the point. The point was, what is Jesus doing? And that's why we didn't spend much time arguing for or against COVID lockdowns and the mandates. That's not what it was about. But that doesn't mean that we avoid difficult topics. See, our goal also is not to be safe. It's not just to be something as, as Paul warned Timothy of, that one day people will want just to have their ears tickled. That's not what we're about either. We're trying to unpack and, and reveal the goodness of the new covenant, of what Jesus has done. And I keep emphasizing the new covenant because it's a contrast to the old covenant. See, the new covenant is not just the old covenant that you've been forgiven. It's not just that you've, you've failed and God's forgiven you and washed you clean, and so now you can try again to do your best to follow God's Ten Commandments. That's not what Christianity is about. It's a new covenant. It's a better covenant. It's one that's replaced the old. And so we've, we've been able to have been set free from that old Mosaic covenant in order to receive a new covenant that Jesus has accomplished and purchased for us on the cross. 
No longer are we under law, but now we experience and live under grace, live under the life of Jesus. But that, that word grace sometimes is confusing, I think. And sometimes I hear people say that, that it's, you know, here at this church, we, we teach grace. That's, that's partly true, but that's not fully accurate. And, and I say that because sometimes when we hear the word grace, we think about the unmerited favor of God and the unconditional love of God and the forgiveness of God, all of which is true, but is not all what grace is about. Grace really is a person. The grace really is the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going to have a lot more to say about this and unpack this in the weeks ahead. But I want you to understand, rather than saying that we teach grace here, I'd much rather say we teach Jesus. That's more to the point. Now, please understand, I believe grace is a person, and that person is Jesus. And if you say we teach grace, and that means we teach Jesus, absolutely. But I want to be really clear that it's Jesus that we're about. Jesus and, and what he's done and what he is doing today in our lives, that's what we want to proclaim because that's where we're going to find the freedom. And so it's more than grace that we teach. It's Jesus Christ, the person. Like I said, we're going to unpack that more as in the weeks ahead of what this new covenant's all about. But the point of this teaching of the new covenant isn't just to make you smart. It's not just to inform you and give you some ideas and some knowledge so that maybe you can now be able to, to debate other Christians about scriptures. That's, that's far from it. I love a verse like in, in 2 Timothy, in chapter 1. Paul writes to him, he says, the goal of our instruction, the point of why we're writing all this, the purpose behind everything in this is that you would now live from a pure heart, from the new nature you've been given, from a sincere faith, a trusting and dependent upon Jesus Christ, and that you would be loving one another. You see, that's what's so critical now. We want to, we want to take what we're learning, we want to take this new covenant, and we want to apply it now in the lives of one another. And you see, the reality is to be able to love another or to love others requires another. Amen? Requires others. And that's, that's what we're trying to create then is this community that experiences the life and grace of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is you cannot love others by yourself. And so this church, the word church in, in the Greek is, is the word ecclesia. It means a, a calling out. It's a gathering. And that's what we are. We are the called out ones that are gathering together. We're far more than just a, an organization or a building or a location. We're bigger than that. We're, we're a group of people that are coming together, that are fellowshipping together, that we can learn from one another, we can experience life together, and we can now uh, share that with one another as well. And so here are some, some statements, I think, that kind of describe this letter that we're trying to create. And please understand, it's far from perfect. We have, we have so much room to grow. We're really just getting started in this. But this is sort of the direction we want to head in. And, and the first statement here is that we're a church that prioritizes Monday through Saturday over Sunday morning. See, I think, I think for too long, churches have been so fixated and focused on Sunday mornings. Think about the language we use. We're going to church on Sunday. Or which church do you go on Sunday morning? And that's often dominated our thinking and our ideas. 
And, and at the beginning of COVID and the lockdowns, I was actually a little bit hopeful that we might get out of that line of thinking. Do you remember the, the two weeks to flatten the curve? Remember that? It was a little bit longer, but it was two something. I'll say that. Um, well, I remember driving by churches. And, and, you know, churches sometimes have a sign out front. And the sign that kind of made my heart leap for joy was when some churches wrote, the church has left the building. I got excited by that. That, that maybe the, we're going to get away from that Sunday morning mentality and that we would see that the church has an entire week that it can control and dominate, that it can be a part of and make a difference in. And so I was excited about that, but not for very long, because what ended up happening is the church just began to fixate on how do we make a better Sunday morning experience online? And how do we minister to people? How do we connect with people online on a Sunday morning? And do we do Zoom calls? Do we have people monitoring the chats? Do we, you know, live stream this? Do we do this? Do we do that? And then we became all about spending time on that. Now, please understand, that wasn't wrong. We did the same thing because there wasn't much else we could do. But the church is supposed to be more about Monday through Saturday. And I really believe in my heart that if we can master Monday through Saturday, Sunday morning will take care of itself. Sunday morning is, is the least of our concerns that we want to master that Monday through Saturday. We want to master that opportunity to kind of connect with one another. And so that's why we have different events, why we'd have sporting events, whether it be floor hockey or volleyball or basketball, or why they be have craft nights or, or why the youth get together. It's why we have Camp Wanabon later this month. We're just looking for opportunities and excuses to hang out and be together. It's really the, the various themes that we have, whether it be on a Sunday morning like hosting or the, the AV or the, the worship teams up front, they're just opportunities to hang out, opportunities to be with one another. And then hopefully we can begin to start up these small groups that for too long we were kind of cut off from because we weren't allowed to get together and gather, but hopefully we can begin to create various small groups that we can come together and support one another. Now, if we can make that a priority, if we can begin to build that community, I think that's where things can begin to change. And you see, what we can begin to discover is that we're a church, this is the next statement, the church that prioritizes people over programs and performance. Some, some churches, they, they run it like it's an organization or a company where it's all about this product that you're trying to create, and the product being the, the, the public performance of it. Well, when we, when we started New Life, we decided to adopt a, a crawl, walk, run model. I mean, we're just going to figure it out. We we're going to start to crawl, and then we'd start to, to walk a little bit, and maybe add a, a little bit of running from time to time. And that was sort of the, the model we, we decided. And so when we launched, we weren't really ready. And so we said, you know what? We'll just do a soft launch. We'll just kind of get out there, kind of build the plane as we're flying, and, and we'll figure it out. And then when we're ready, we'll do a hard launch. Just so you know, we've not yet done the hard launch. <laughs> one day. One day down the road, we'll be ready. I'm pretty sure Jesus will have come before then, but nonetheless, one day we will do our launch. But in the meantime, we're just learning. We're figuring it out. And some people didn't understand. Some people were like, well, why are you rushing it? Why don't you just take some time and, and sort some of these things out? And the answer is we'd never be ready. And we'd be much rather enjoy the journey of figuring it out together, getting to know one another, because that's our win. 
Our win isn't in the, the performance of it. And so, you know, we, we want it to, to, be, to, to go well. We, we're, we're trying our best up here. I mean, we, we, the people who are up here singing, they're, they're singing their best. The people at the back, they're doing their best to mix it and how it sounds and the, and the cameras and the lights. And we're, we're trying and we're always looking to improve certain things, but never at the cost of the people. We're not, we're not trying to whip people into shape. We're not trying to push things because that's not what matters. What matters more is the relationships and the people that we're getting to love. And so people are way more important than programs. And so we're never going to prioritize those things. And so with that mentality, what we can be then is we get to be a church now where you're free to struggle and just be yourself. Be who you are. We know you don't have your life all together. We know each and every one of you struggles in various ways. Some of you are struggling this morning. You know what? That's okay. You don't have to pretend that you have it all together. In fact, if, if you kind of believe that you do have it all together, I would suggest that one of the issues you're struggling with is deceiving yourself. Because quite frankly, we're all a work in progress. There's always things that God's doing in us. And what we want to do is we want to love you in the midst of your struggle. And we want to do that more than really even fix you. So that's not our goal. Don't get me wrong. We would love to help you. We'd love to see you achieve that victory over whatever it is you're struggling with. But that's not our purpose. Right? Think about it. When Jesus was giving these instructions, he didn't say to people that, that the, the world will know you by how well you fix one another. It's not what it is. Right? It's not the, the royal commandment that Jesus gave us, that we would believe in him and get others fixed. No, it's that we would love one another. And so the, the struggle that you and I are in is just the opportunity for us to experience that love. And so if you're struggling right now, be it in your marriage, be it in your emotional life with despair or depression or anxiety, maybe it's, maybe it's an addiction and there's some sin issues in there, be it alcohol or pornography or drugs or gossip or whatever it is that you're up against, don't fight it alone. You have people here that want to love you, that want to support you, that want to pray for you, want to, want to carry that burden along with you. And us as elders, we're right at the front of the line for that. But there are other people as well. And please understand, we will not attack you. It doesn't matter the sin. It doesn't matter the shame. It doesn't matter the struggle you're in. You'll be loved. Because all we're looking for is, is the opportunity. And so what that means is you're free to fail. You're free to struggle. See, there's a difference between struggling with the sin and not struggling with the sin. What I mean by that is if you're struggling with the sin, we're right there and we're going to pray for you. We're going to love you. We're going we're to see what's going on and how we can help you. But if you're not struggling with the sin, I mean, you've kind of given yourself over to it. And you're just like, you know what? It doesn't matter. You know what? It's not a big deal to look at pornography. It's just, you know, it's part of our life now. And that's what we're going to do. Well, we're still going to love you, but it's going to look a little bit different now because we're going to have to speak directly now. We're going to have to begin to kind of address that issue so that you would see that it's not healthy, that it's not good. And that while it's okay to struggle with that sin or all sin, it's not okay to give up, give up on it and just say it's okay. And so out of love, that's what's motivating us is that we're going to have some pretty strong words. 
But again, you're free to fail. You're free to make mistakes. I, I have a, a great memory. Robin's not here, so I can pick on him this morning. But, but do you remember a few weeks back when he was up here and he was, he was leading worship and he's, he's, he's playing his guitar and he's going along to it and all of a sudden he kind of stopped and, and I think he looked over at Catherine and he's like, what comes next? He forgot the song. And, and he, again, it was Catherine. She started humming it. And he goes, that's right, let's go. And he just started playing, <laughs> right? And some of you came up after me and thought, was that planned? No. No, Robin screwed up. Oh, yeah, big time. Huge, huge. But it was beautiful. And you know what I loved about that moment? Is up to that moment, the worship felt a little stale. It felt like we were just going through the motions. And then Robin did that, and it like broke the ceiling. It broke the ice. And everyone kind of relaxed. How? It's not about the performance. It's not about how it sounds. Because who are we praying? Who are we praising? Who are we singing this for? Our Heavenly Father. And I bet you he was chuckling. Ha-ha, <laughs> Robin. <laughs> that was good. And we had fun with it. That was so beautiful. And what an opportunity. And you see why that's so important? Because when you have an environment where you can fail, you can make mistakes, that you can struggle, that's the environment where you can address these issues. That's the environment where you can experience that love and that grace that leads to change. And that's why it's so important for us to have that opportunity so we can mature in that. The next one is that we're a church that's led by elders, but we're not controlled by the elders, nor are we managed by the elders. I want to make that really important, that, that point, because, see, too often I think pastors know this idea that the church at, at large, the people are their letters, meaning that the, that the church is a judgment of them as a pastor. And so they look around their church and they start to see all these issues and struggles and they think, well, that's, that's a bad reflection of me. And so they're now tempted to control everything. They're tempted to, to control how everything looks. And that's why the performance matters so much. And so I've, I've heard stories of pastors that you know, on Tuesday morning, they had the, the, the staff meeting where they, they go over the service in every little detail, trying to fix it, trying to get it proper and right. And I heard one pastor angrily yelling at the staff, saying, I wanted a smoke machine to go left to right, not right to left. And it's ridiculous, except it's true. I've heard pastors and churches, what they've done is they took the announcements away from volunteers so that the staff could do it because they can then control exactly how the staff does it. I love that we have no control over the announcements. When Fred gets up here, <laughs> buckle up and hold on. We don't know where we're going. And it is fun and entertaining, and I love it. And it's great that Megan comes and she, she brings up Kara, and, and we got Marco, and we got Crystal, and we got Sheila, and there's just... Everyone's unique and different, and it's beautiful. We're not trying to control everything. And so then I've got people, and they say, well, you know, we'd love to start a group, a small group. Do you have anything going on? And, and I think what they've done is they've kind of been trained to look to the leadership, to sort everything out and organize everything. And then you get that 80-20 rule, right, where 20% where of the church is doing 80% of the work. And they're looking to the, to the leadership, the staff even, to organize everything. And that's not our intent. We want to equip you guys. Because we're all ministers of the new covenant. 
You're not less qualified for what God's called you to do than I am called and qualified for what God's called me to do. And so if you have something on your heart, whether it be to start up a small group, or maybe it is a certain event, then by all means, we want to see that happen. We want to maybe support you and encourage you in that. And so if you have an idea about an event, then, then you're going to organize it, but we want to help you with that. And so you could talk to people like, like Megan and, uh, and Cheryl and Sue and others and, and try to figure out, well, what resources are available? And they've got some experience, but we want to see you do that. If you want to start a small group or be a part of a small group, then invite some people. Maybe grab someone after, after the service this morning. Or, or even better yet, go on to the, the church center app and check out the directory and, and, and text or email or, again, phone someone. Did you know cell phones actually call people? Incredible. Amazing the stuff they come up with nowadays, right? Not on Friday, no. But you can, you can call people and invite them to be part of the small group that you want to be a part of and create that. You don't need our blessing. You don't need our permission because you're not being managed by us. And thank God for that, because we can't even manage our own lives. I mean, look at Greg. <laughs> it's good to laugh, isn't it? But the other thing what we also want to encourage is we want to encourage that there's other people that, that God wants to speak through. We heard from this morning from Nikki, and she was sharing what God put on her heart which is really just what God wanted to communicate with you about how loved you are and how important you are. God's put something on my heart, and he's put something on, on Renee and, and Andrew's heart as they were sharing with us. But you know what? There's things that I believe God's putting on your hearts that, that don't have a, a prepared time in the message or in the Sunday morning. But we want to hear from that because that's God speaking. And so if there's something on your heart, just grab one of the elders. Grab Josh or Greg or myself or Robin or any one of us. And if you're not sure who the elders are, ask someone and they'll point them out to, it, to you. And we'll invite you up here. We'll stop the service. We'll stop a song. We'll stop a message if, if we believe that there's something that God's put on your heart. Because again, we want to hear from Jesus. And what's great about technology today uh, than on Friday was that you could now share midweek. Isn't that incredible? You can, you can share something on that Facebook community group with the whole church. Whether it be maybe it's a song you share or, or maybe it's a, it's a meme or an image or, or maybe God's put something on your heart and you just want to write it out or maybe you record yourself on a video and share that with the church. What an opportunity to encourage us. What an opportunity to bless other people with what God's put on your heart. That's the community you want to create where that's naturally happening week after week. I mean, think about it. In the church of Corinth, it was happening so much, Paul said they had to limit it to two or three. All right, guys, <laughs> you know, some people got to eat sometime today. So, you know, only two or three. I would love to see that more and more because I know that God wants to speak through each and every one of you. What a cool opportunity to hear, hear Christ and Isaac, hear Christ and Andrew, and that unique expression, those unique words. So we want to create those opportunities. But it's on you guys now to take advantage of those things. And then finally, we want to be a church that worships and prays together. That's why every week we, we worship through song, but we want to worship in many other ways as well. And so New Life Collective, which we kind of announced last week, and, and you got to hear one of the songs this morning that Andrew wrote. Wasn't that great? I'll be all right. It's beautiful. 
It's incredible. I can't wait for it to, to go out to the world. But this morning, you guys got to hear the, the inaugural live, first time ever presentation of that song. And so I'm, I'm excited about the other opportunities, the other songs that you guys are going to write. And that's why we, we wanted to create this ministry as an opportunity, a place for you guys to have a, a, a way to share these songs that God's put on your hearts, original music. But then, then we can branch out, and there's other forms of art. Maybe we can create original dramas. Maybe it's, it's um, paintings. Maybe, maybe you've been given the, this gift of, of being able to share the gospel through miming. I would love to see it. I don't know how you do it, but it would be interesting, right? But, but who knows, right? And so we, wanna, we don't want to limit God in the potential for it. And then there's prayer. Don't underestimate prayer. No wonder Renee and Andrew talked about that as a way to support them. What a great way because prayer makes a difference. It makes massive changes in people's hearts and lives and, and opens up opportunities that we never thought, pos thought possible before. And it's an opportunity for us to join in what God's doing. And so we want to be a church that prays for one another, with one another. So if you've got prayer requests, you can leave it. There's a, a notepad. You can leave it in there, and it'll go to the elders, and it'll be kept, kept uh, anonymous and quiet, confidential. Maybe you want to just grab one of us, and we'd be love to pray for you this morning. But again, it's the ministry of the, that belongs to the entire church, the royal priesthood of believers. And so maybe you just grab someone beside you. Hey, will you pray for me? Maybe you can add, leave it in, again, the Facebook community group as a prayer request. We're just looking for opportunities to pray for one another and encourage one another because we love to see God work. And we've seen it, a testimony of healing that God's given to people. And it's beautiful to watch. This is the letter that we're trying to write here at New Life Fellowship. Far from perfect, far from complete. We're just getting started. But as every good story, it doesn't end where it begins. And we're still figuring it out. We're still learning about how to do this. And it's, it's not easy to create that kind of a community that focuses on Monday to Saturday. Far easier to focus in on Sunday morning because you can control those things. But Monday to Saturday is uncontrollable from, from my perspective. All we can do is try to figure it out together. And so we're going to fall short in many ways. But again, that's OK because of that community of grace, that, that freedom to figure it out as we go along. And I'm just excited that each and every one of you are together along for the ride. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the, the freedom and the opportunity to be part of your church, to be a part of what you're doing. And I, and I pray, Lord, that we would be sensitive to how you lead us now, not just this morning and after the service, but throughout the week as you prompt us to engage in community. Because the reality is that community requires an engagement on our part. It requires us to reach out to people, to ask them how they're doing, to listen, to care. Or maybe to reach out and say, I'm struggling, and trust that they care, and they want to they wanna hear what's going on. So I pray, Father, that as you lead and as you prompt those times, that we'd have the courage to trust you and 
I pray most of all, though, that you'd be glorified in that as you are working and conforming each and every one of us into the image of your son, Jesus, and that's displayed in how well we love one another. In your name we pray, amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.